thank our chorale this morning. Very enjoyable. Thank you so much for uh, blessing us this morning. There is one thing that's been worrying me about preaching this morning, and that's been the time. My uncle reminded me that his lunch is served at 12 o'clock across the way here. So I'm on a strict time this morning. Keep an eye on me, Paul. It's a delight to be here at um, Avondale Memorial this morning. Normally I sit up the back there with mum and dad. And uh, it's a different view from the front here this morning. But it, uh, it is a joy to be here. I can see my Fiji friend up there, Singatambu Bulavanaka. It, um, it's good to see you again uh, this morning. As has been mentioned by Paul, I marvel sometimes at God's sense of humour. For when we left... Um, Fiji and Solomon's to come back to Australia he said Hope Channel will do for you as you can imagine out there we we don't have a lot of technology and so it was quite ironic that we were to come back and deal with um, something in that particular area with with media as John and Rose we know it's it's a complicated field but over the years, I guess, particularly last weekend, it was reinforced with an event that we're at down in Greater Sydney Conference where around five, 6,000 people came for their, their weekend camp program. I was in our, our booth in the afternoon and a lady came to the booth and said, where can I find someone to give me a Bible study? She said, I've just been Googling um, programs on the internet and I saw that there was one here in, in Homebush. And so from off the street in Sydney, this young 30-something lady turned up at the Ignite Camp Program at Homebush. And it's a reminder when we're looking at technology just how important technology is to mission. In the not-so-older days, you and I would go door-to-door to meet people to greet people, to offer Bible studies to. But these days, media is going before us and going into homes, going into mobile devices to share the Word of God. It's going right across Australia. It's going into prisons. In fact, John, I'll be in Tassie in the next couple of weeks to change over the Hope Channel frequency. And I know for the last three to four years, people have been watching um, our programs in the Tasmanian prison service. And so when you think of of Tasmania, we have the worst mass murderer in jail there in Tasmania. And he has the opportunity to watch Christian television. And so we see the importance of, of Christian media these days in all that we do, whether it's here in Australia or whether it's right across the Pacific in the different in the different countries, PNG whether it's in Solomon's or Fiji or Vanuatu, the word of God continues to be proclaimed in new ways. In fact, as you'll recall, um, through media at um, the division, we we operate both the the Hope Channel and also the Bible School. The Bible School has around 50,000 people that we're currently doing studies with. Some or within a five-kilometre radius of this church. In fact, I was preaching at Toronto Church before Christmas and I was sharing a little about what we did and a, a man came up to me the, at the end of this church service because we have the 53 people in the five-kilometre radius of that church that we're studying with. 
And he came up to me at the end of the service and said, I'm one of those 52. And that was his first time in church that particular Sabbath. He'd come four weeks earlier, but he'd seen us dressed in, in suits and ties and said, mm, I, don't, I don't think I belong here. And he walked out. Or he didn't make it past the church car park. But this time, there was someone else in the car park that saw him. He said, would you like to come into church? And he came in and spent his first Sabbath with the folk there at Toronto. So God is continuing to use media in, in significant ways. Whether it's watching it on television, or whether it's watching it on a, a mobile phone, or whether it's just simply Google and looking for a program to attend, people are turning up in churches every Sabbath because of TV and radio. God is moving on people's hearts to bring them to faith. In fact, it leads us probably into where we're going this morning. God is continuing to knock on the lives and hearts of people right around the world. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we come hungering again to hear a word from, from Scripture. A word that will encourage, a word that will nurture, a word that will grow our faith. And so, Lord, may your Holy Spirit do a work on our hearts and minds this morning. That the message we hear will transform us in ways that will grow your kingdom and prepare a people for your soon return. And so bless us in this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me, please, to the book of, of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. For the last few weeks, we have been following through this series, and today we bring it to a conclusion of ask, seek, and knock. Matthew 7, verse 7 reads, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. In verse 8, For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Friends, as we put some context around these words of Jesus, we see the Old Testament had closed some 400 years earlier with the words of, of Malachi. And these were his words, Remember the law of Moses, the decrees and laws that I gave to him at Horeb, and for all of Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to the parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. And so when we see the, from the closing of the Old Testament to the commencement of the New Testament, there is so much that has happened. We've gone from the, the Persian rule now to the Roman rule. We have sects of, of people Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, the Zealots, all vying for, for position. 
Then we have tradition upon tradition and laws upon laws to protect the the Jewish identity. That was the world in which the gospel came. The New Testament that was launched. But it's interesting, in the midst of all of this, Paul makes it very clear that in the fullness of time, this was a moment that all the universe had been waiting for, that Jesus would arrive on earth. This was the incarnation, this was the moment where again those those formidable foes would meet this time on earth. Jesus and Lucifer. And Paul in his way in Galatians 4 verse 4 makes it clear when the fullness of time had come God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons and daughters. The 70 week prophecy of Daniel had come to a close and Jesus was born in a manger there were some that were eagerly looking forward to this. Think of Simeon and Anna. Longing and waiting for the Messiah to appear. And when Jesus and the family turn up, young Simeon, well not so young Simeon, prays a prayer, now you may dismiss your servant, for I have seen my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. Jesus continued to grow in favour with God and with men. These were all the, the times, the early years that the gospel was being formed and presented. And so Jesus comes out of his baptism and goes into the wilderness and then he commences his, his, his preaching ministry. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And then Jesus breaks into a, a, a formula. You have heard that it was said, but I tell you. And all the Gospels record, Matthew, Mark and Luke, in fact, record that when the crowds heard Jesus' preachings, preaching in words, they were astonished. They were amazed at what he was saying. You are the light of the world, he said. No one can serve two masters. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. In Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God. These were the essence of the new life that Jesus was trying to convey to the people on the Sermon of the Mount. And we get to our passage, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. These are the closing remarks to Jesus' sermon. This was the climactic point of what Jesus was trying to convey to the people that were listening, to his disciples and the crowd. For everyone, everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus, or Ellen White, making comment on this in the book Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, says, to leave no chance for unbelief. 
or misunderstanding or misinterpretation of his words, Jesus repeats three given promises. Ask, seek, and knock. He longs to have these, she says, who would seek after God, believe in him who was able to do all these things. And so if we look at the Greek text, it gives us a glimpse into what Jesus is saying here. The Greek word that is used is karuo. And the Greek word that is, is its meaning is to knock, to beat at the door with a stick, to gain admittance. This was not a, just a, a casual glimpse or a casual knock that Jesus was seeking to invite us to take. It was, it was a persistent knocking that we might enter into the promises of what Jesus had prepared for us. Knock and the door will be opened. It's interesting as we look through the verb phrases of this particular statement of Jesus. Ask, seek and knock. It's all in the present tense. It's all in the ask now, seek now, knock now. But the fulfilment of that which was to come after it were all in the future. Ask now, it will be given to you in the future. Seek now and you will find. Knock now and the door will be opened. In fact, if you look at the the first and the last, ask and the knock, there is something special about these two grammatical constructs. Because it it came in a a Greek form of the divine passive, which means it's, it's the activity of God. It's God that will do the revealing. It's God that will do the opening of the door. And it's similar to, to Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel shall be preached in all the earth, and then the end shall come. Divine passive. This is the activity of which God was doing. And so it's God that opens the door. It's God that gives the fulfilment of these promises. Again, commenting on this, Ellen White makes this point. She says, God waits to welcome us into his audience chamber to experience his goodness. Knock. God's waiting to open that door for us. Just the other week, we were conducting some training in in Melbourne with the uh, It Is Written team. There were about 150 people that gathered on the weekend to, to be trained in following up contacts from the It Is Written program. And in the afternoon, we all went out on the door. And it's fascinating as you go out on the door these days and knock. Sometimes there's, there's no one home. Other times you can hear some rustling in the background. You can see some, some curtains being tossed. You know, who's there? And other times the door opens quickly to close again. And other times the door opens. And what was fascinating over those two days that those people in Victoria, we went out door knocking, there were 160 people that accepted a Bible study. 
people are wanting to hear the gospel message. And this is the promise. If you ask, it will be given to you. If you knock, the door will be open. One of the great promises of Scripture. One of the great promises to us this Sabbath as we worship, knock and the door will be opened. Friends, as we look at this passage, maybe there's a question that comes to mind. Well, I've been asking, I've been seeking, I've been knocking and I've been blessed over the years to experience God in in new and immeasurable ways. God invites, has been inviting us to ask, seek and knock. But the question comes up, why does Jesus invite us to ask, seek and knock? Maybe here's an answer to that question. As we've been reading through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he's enumerated on, on, on many topics, on our treatment of each other, of serving one another, on marriage, on divorce, on money. And Jesus, as he's been talking about these things, gets to the end of the sermon and invites us now to participate in those blessings. Jesus has been talking about the values of the kingdom. For three chapters, or two chapters, five, six, and seven, three chapters, Jesus has been talking about the kingdom. What it means to be a disciple. And he gets to the end of the, the, the sermon on the mount and he says... You want to live like this? Ask me. You want to share the kingdom? Then seek this with all your heart. And Ellen White makes a clear comment that that this here is built on Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. That's the kingdom that God is inviting us to ask, seek, and knock. But then it's just simply not ask and seek. Jesus is begging us here. He gets to the knocking section and says, knock. Don't just stay outside and and listen to what I've been talking about. Come in and experience the kingdom in a new way. Last week I was over across the road uh, visiting Carol. Uh, Morning, Carol, if you're watching. And I knocked at the door... And she came and, and opened the door. Now, I went to see her. I wasn't simply expecting to, to stay outside and, and chat. So she invited me in. This is exactly what God is, Jesus is inviting us to do here. Don't simply stay outside and, and hear about the values of the kingdom. The reason why Jesus was teaching us how to pray, how to live... And how to live the victorious life was to come inside and experience this new life. One of the ways that was this was illustrated to me in the Solomons, in a powerful way, there was a baptism at Betty Carmer on on one Sabbath. I think it was around 75 young people at the school that were being baptized that morning. And as we can sometimes do in the islands, it's a preaching marathon. One speaker after the next, after the next. And Pastor George Fafali, 
stood and, and shared some thoughts on baptism. And this was something that has, has stuck with me since that time because he talks about entering into this new life and that's what Jesus is asking us to do by knocking. Come into this new life that I've, I've spoken about. Don't stay outside in the cold. Come into this new life. And Pastor Fafali talks about how one would, would change from one tribe to another. And this is over on the island of, of Malaita and he, he shared, if, if I wanted to, to go from one tribe to another, the chief would, would stand with his legs apart like this during the ceremony and the person would have to come through behind on his knees or her knees and crawl through his legs, they would come in from their tribe, they would come out as part of his tribe. That was the transformation, that's the renewal that Jesus is asking us to do by knocking, to come in and experience this this new room, this new world of opportunities that God has prepared for us and for his people. Don't stay outside. Don't just think about those things which I've spoken about, but come in and be part of the kingdom that I've spoken about. And to truly experience the victorious life that I've prepared for you. That's part of the abundant life of John 10.10. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Ask for that. Seek that with all of your heart. And then knock. Continue to pursue that. That's why those questions or those commands are in the Bible. Ask, seek, knock. For us to experience that new life. In fact, Diedrich Bonhoeffer said about the Sermon on the Mount and about this in particular, the renewal of the church will come from an uncompromising allegiance to the Sermon on the Mount. It's high time people banded together to live out this, uh, this sermon, he said. But friends, there's another question that goes with our first as to why Jesus included this in the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe we have husbands and wives. Maybe sons and daughters, family and friends that are no longer asking. They're no longer seeking. And they're no longer knocking. What then? How does this passage apply to us? How does this passage apply to them? When you think of our community here at Avondale, in the Lakes area, yes, we have a high proportion of Adventists in these areas, but we also have significant numbers of people who profess no faith of it all. In fact, if you look at the, the recent census data, it confirms that. People no longer claiming to hold a faith. Those that have an active role in church, week to week, is only 7% of the population. 93% of the population of Australia 
aren't regular or don't attend church at all. So how does this passage apply to them? The Greek word karuo appears nine times in Scripture. And you might be interested to know that the last time that, that word appears in Scripture is in the book of Revelation. In fact, Revelation chapter 3, if you have your Bibles there, turn with me for a moment. Revelation chapter 3, we, we know this section of Scripture deals with the, the seven churches of, of Revelation. So it's interesting as we look at this particular section of Scripture where this Greek word karuo, we find, and it's the last time that exists in Scripture, is in the seven churches. But as we get to that, we, we note something very interesting. He said, what's, what's interesting about this is that each church, Jesus' presence is growing more and more intimate with each letter. Let me illustrate. The church at Ephesus in Revelation 2.1 says, To him who walks among the seven lampstands. To the church at Smyrna, to him who died and came to life again. To Pergamum. Repent therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them. Sardis, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. Philadelphia. Behold, I am coming soon. And then to Laodicea. An indifferent church. A church that is the last of the seven to appear. Revelation 3.20 says this. Behold, I what? I stand at the door and knock. Friends, this is great news. It's great news because from, from the book of Matthew, we've been told, we've been called, ask now, seek now, knock now. But in the book of Revelation, it is different. Because now we have a picture of Jesus standing at the very door, knocking. The same Jesus that, that brought the life, uh, life the, the, the dead back from, from, or the life back from the dead. The same Jesus that brought the, the lame to their feet again. The same Jesus that healed the leper. The same Jesus that heals the sin-sick heart. This same Jesus is the one that is knocking now on the door. So friends, with us, ask now, seek now, knock now. But for those that, that are not here, for those that are not, do not have faith, Jesus is pictured knocking at their heart, knocking at their door. A man by the name of Jack, you'll know him well, but that was his preferred name. 
He announced one night to his family, just call me Jack. His parents died when he was reasonably young. He was educated in naturalism, became a devotee of of atheism. But during his Oxford career, through a matter of reading other books, he became England's, he says, most reluctant convert. In his book, he describes how he was surprised by joy. For those of you that read that book by C.S. Lewis, this was his story. This was was who he was, a man of, of no faith. But in this book, he talks about how he's surprised by joy. Not surprised by, by logic or reason. Not surprised by evidence, as important as these are, or knowledge. He was surprised by joy. He records his conversion moment. He says, you must picture me alone in the room at Magdalen, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted, even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. You can just picture God in that room there with C.S. Lewis. Knowing all of his history, in that room, knocking at C.S. Lewis's heart. It's time, Lewis. It's time, Jack. I'm here to knock. I'm here to call you to a better life. I'm here to call you to a better experience that you might know the one true God. He goes on to say, that which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In that room of 1929, I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England. God was knocking. And friends, this gives us incredible hope. Not only are we invited to knock, to seek and to ask, but God goes out looking also. God goes out knocking on the hearts of people and calling them to a faith. Even from an atheist, or agnostic. Someone that's, that's been in rebellion. In fact, if you read through the story of George Mueller, the George Mueller prayed for five people all of his life. He prayed for more, but five in particular. Praying that, that God would bring them to faith. There were two that came fairly quickly. A third, a few more years later, and a fourth, a number of years after that. But C.S. Lewis continued to pray. Lord, continue knocking on their hearts. Continue wooing them, bringing them to faith. 
Two years after George Mueller died, the fifth person came to Christ. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. One more story that's close to my heart. Young man that I met fairly soon or fairly quickly in the office out in Solomon's. It spent 18 years in jail, but God had come knocking on his heart. In fact, the pastor went to study with his wife and said, if that pastor comes back here, I'll kill him. The pastor continued to visit. The wife came to faith, and ultimately he came to faith. But then Alex goes from this particular village in in Malaita, he heads off and he would tell me the stories, he headed across to Malaita to find one of his, his friends that had been his roommate in his majesty's service. So in search from, for him, he would go through different villages. I'm looking for Brown. There were no doors there, but, but Alex just continued to, to knock on village after village after village, trying to find where Brown was. Finally, as he's coming up to a village and there's there's no front door there, he's yelling out, Brown! And the voice came back from from the hut, what do you want? Alex responded, I've come to tell you about Jesus. He's changed my life, and he'll change yours too. For the next three to four hours, Alex and Pastor Mota spent time telling Brown about the story of Jesus. Kept knocking on his door, inviting him to ask, seek and knock. In a remote part of of Solomon's, God sent someone in need of a saviour to Brown. And as they shared that time there, Brown came to faith. In fact, if you were to go out there today, you will see a small church, the only church in this particular area in Solomon's. The the churches that are around it, they're there, but they're not Christian churches. They're devil-worshipping churches. And so this one church, this one village, is the light to that part of East Koyo in Solomon Islands. Ask, seek, knock. Jesus invites us to enter into a new experience with him. A new room to experience the victorious life that God has prepared for us. Maybe Today, it's time to accept that invitation once again. To go into that room. To ask Jesus to take us around and give us that guided tour once again that we might experience the fullness of God. Or secondly, there may be someone who God has put in your life. Neighbours, 
friends. It might be a family member that is, is dear to your heart that is no longer asking, seeking or knocking. Maybe that person God is saying this week, send them a message. Send them a note to remind them that they are loved by God. You might be that one person that God will use this week to knock on the heart of that person this week and remind them about the love of Jesus. Friends, whatever it might be, as we come to the end of this series on our Seek Knock, there are not just three words that have been put into Scripture carelessly. There weren't three words that Jesus was thinking of and wondering, well, how can I wrap this sermon up? Three distinct words that summarize Jesus' desire for our, our life. To ask now, seek now, and knock now. May this week, they be our chosen activity to seek him anew, to seek him with all of our hearts, mind, soul and strength.